Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. You want to talk about Queen City Conquest 2018? Abso-freaking-lutely. And welcome to Pandas Talking Games. I am your Condrop recovering host, Phil. And I am your first day at new job host, Senda. Hey, congratulations. New job day. New job day. Woohoo. Was it fun? It was good. Yeah. Are they nice? Yeah, they seem nice. They fed me enchiladas. You have like a really cool um, office space. So we are back from QCC 2018, and we're getting settled back into our normal recording schedule. Hooray. Yay. We were actually supposed to record the show last week, but honestly, the con drop kind of got the both of us, and I ran out of spoons. Like, I was... I could not do it. I just was like, I can't record. I had, like... I was con dropping, and I had this, like, awful day at work, and I basically just crawled on the couch and watched like something like six hours of TV. So we don't like to let you down. So we pushed out the panel audio that we did, which technically is probably correct because it was chronologically yeah, um, before this. Yeah, yeah, it was chronologically before this. So you got to hear the panel that we did, which I think was pretty good. You actually got to listen back to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so, I think we managed to talk about some things. We we covered some important topics. Bananas. It was super intimate. It was awesome. Like it was super <laughs> it was super intimate. There were like five people in the panel. It's like a thing about QCC, which we'll talk about in a second, but panels aren't actually a big thing. But the people who go are like super cool. So like we just had this like really cool moment with a bunch of people. Anyway, so rather than pushing it, we moved that QCC audio that you heard last week, and now we're back and we're gonna talk about our experiences at the con. Yep, so tonight we're going to talk about some of our games that we ran at QCC and then the GMing lessons that we learned from them at that convention. But uh, first, really quickly, in case you don't know what the QCC was, Definition Panda, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, Yeah, the QCC, otherwise known as the Queen City Conquest, and let me be clear, um, (laughs) because we'll talk about this later... Queen City is another name for Buffalo. Yeah, it's not It's not my conquest. <laughs> no, correct. It is not your conquest. But more importantly, in case you are unaware of where the Queen City is, the Queen City is another name for Buffalo, New York. This will come up later in the after show. Um, okay. The Queen City Conquest is a gaming convention in Buffalo, New York. It's always around early September. Uh, it's uh, This was its seventh year, um, but its second year being run by Lake Effect Gaming. Uh, which is partially owned by the head of the co-head of this network, right? Because you're the other co-head. Yeah, I am the other. I've still there, been struggling right? with the word like partners. Co-partner. Part- I don't know. Managing what it is. managing partners. I don't know. Sure, whatever it is. Chris. Chris is part of Lake Effect Gaming. Right. Um. So anyway, this was their, like their second year, like fully running the con, which I thought was excellent. And this con has got a really strong RPG presence, with some board game. Um, and a little bit of video game added in, but really, um, this is primarily an RPG con. Um, yeah. And this year, there was a big push by the QCC for lots of industry guests in the form of game designers, podcasters, community leaders, etc. So, um, if you, you know, like we were there, the breakout crew, Rob, Rach, and Kate were there, Jason Cordova from The Gauntlet, uh, Eric Simon. I mean, like, just the list, like, went on and on I mean, and on of, of Abby guests. And, Abby and Double oh, Exposure, right? Yes. Stacey Delarfino, Melissa Lewis-Gentry, Ryan Macklin, Ryan fucking Macklin Ryan from the internet. Ryan fucking yeah. Macklin, man, from the internet. He's yeah, a legend. From, uh-huh. He's not going to hear that, but if he does, he's going to flip me off. <laughs> yeah, so there were, I mean... It was great. Like it was definitely the QCC took uh, some pages from the breakout crew in all the best ways. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So, so we're going to talk about the games we ran. We ran a number of games at the con. Phil ran like all the games at the con. And uh, so we're going to first quick give you a recap of what we ran. And then we'll talk about some of the things that we learned from GMing those particular games. 
Yeah, let me just say really quick because this has come up, and I I wanted to just mention it. This it, like you said, I just like I ran all the games, and you're not wrong. Like yeah, I, I ran games. a bunch of games, but I do I do want to say like this is not because like I am like doing any kind of posturing or I am super GM or anything like that. I'm going to state my case for why I ran so many games because I don't normally do it. Actually, I agree with your case. Go for it. Right. Yeah. So the reason I ran um, so many games is that this is my hometown convention right this i live in buffalo new york qcc is in buffalo new york and so my feeling was people were coming from across the country to come to this uh convention and part of that you know i know is like part of that is you know some of those people are going to come to see me and i wanted to make sure that i was running the most games possible so that people could not only just see me but actually like sit at a table and play a game so I just kind of like went crazy. Like I was like, I'm running all the games while we're at QCC. I did the exact opposite because I knew when I was signing up for games, I was like, holy cow, it's going to be my last day of my job. And then I'm going to get on a plane at 2.30 in the morning. I'm going to leave my house. What is the minimum number of games I can run? Yeah, and, then, and I'm I mean, going and to be fine. dying. And and it's not. I mean, you still ran enough games. Oh, I ran plenty just, of games. Yeah, yeah. No, I. But it, it was funny that we were sort of polar opposites in that, right? We were, and uh, you know, again, I didn't have to travel anywhere. Yeah, you didn't right? have to so, change time zones. I didn't have to change time zones, didn't have to travel, yep. didn't have to worry about you know what we were going to eat and whether it was going to you know. Uh, sit with me, right? I mean, I'm I'm in my local cuisine. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Like, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna run the games anyway. Yes. So, so um, starting off with that. Yes. Let's talk about the games we ran. Um, Senda, what was what was the first game you ran? Uh, the first game I ran on. Gosh, I think it was on Friday, right? It was on Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was yeah. Turning Point? I ran Turning Point. We ended up playing the Baby Blues Dilemma. Which yep. is the one where you try to decide if you are going to have a child or not. And I had some pretty fantastic people at my table for that game. I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to remember everybody because inevitably I will forget someone. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Sure. What was sure. the first game that you ran? I also ran Turning Point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's, a, here's a cool thing. Normally what we you and I do is because Turning Point's relatively new and we're afraid we're never going to have a full table. Yes. Is that we always back up each other's games. Yes. But we didn't have to. No, we didn't have to. You didn't have to. There wasn't actually space in my game for you to play. And then there wasn't nope. space for me to play in your game. So I was like, no. awesome. I'm yeah, going to go, go buy adorable cat ears and a banana. Oh, no, yeah, that was I, later. That was later. No, I, um, <laughs> I hung out and uh, chatted with Brett from uh, Gaming and BS while you were running oh, heck Turning yeah. Point. Yeah, yeah. So after you ran Turning Point, I ran Turning Point. I know, crazy. Um, and um, I ran the I Want a New Drug Dilemma, which is the one where you have a chronic illness and there's a new experimental drug that could make things better or worse, depending on if you are in like the 0.1%. And the question is whether you'll take it or not. And I also had a um, kick-ass table of gamers who really brought it. And I will, uh, I'm not going to highlight all of them, but I will note Tony the Rainmaker played a particularly awful swimming coach. So our character was a swimmer who had lupus and she was having an attack and couldn't go to the state finals. And Tony played a, um, a somewhat brutal coach that was like, you know, bearing down on her to like, you know, push past it or whatever. It was it was good. That was my first game on Friday. Now, I played I ran one more game on Friday that evening. Uh, I ran Hydro Hackers because Hydro Hackers had come out the Tuesday of right before the con. And there were copies at Queen City Conquest, which was... In print. In yeah. print, which was super exciting. Yeah. Um, and I signed a bunch of them, which was super flattering, because I don't... I, I It's super flattering, because the people I know now who, like, bought the game are like, oh, sign this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, like, sure. Like, I mean, I'm happy to sign it, but I just kind of think, like, those people just think of me as, like, you know, like, ah, it's just Phil, right? Like, like you know, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, he wrote a book, whatever. And, like, anyway... Um, so I ran, uh, a new, not new for you, but I ran a new scenario <laughs> for Hydro Hackers called Coming Up Short, which was actually based on a scenario I ran for the campaign play test that you participated yes. in. So you actually know, you actually know the, uh, scenario quite well. Yes, I do. 
Um, so I ran that, uh, and that was super fun. Like I had a really good table for that as well, uh, and they played um, really excellent, um, excellent game of it. Okay, what did you run uh, next? I ran. So then we we get to Saturday, right? Yep. So I started the day with Love and Justice because mm-hmm. it's Love, and, Love Justice, and Justice, and I got to run Love and Justice. Oh listen, gosh! Listen, you are known for this game. People love this game, I know. and. We're going to talk about it in the GMing oh, lessons learned, but people love this game and people really get excited when you are going to run it. So. I'm I'm super excited when people tell me they're going to run it. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that. We can talk about that in a second. Yeah, but talk about totally so you ran Love and Justice. So I ran Love and Justice. Um, I don't know. Like it was cool. What was your scenario? Uh, let's see. I had oh, I had the um. Uh, the, the, uh, shoot, they were the candy floss, something about candy girls. Okay. I, obviously there's been too many magical girls in my life. Impossible, but sure. No longer like differentiate all of the games of, um, all of the different groups of, of magical girls. Um, oh, I feel so bad that I can't remember. So they were candy themed. They were super adorable. We had uh, one one with a dark past who was like all licorice and stuff. Licorice, of course, yes. Her dark past makes her the black licorice character. Yeah, it was Brilliant. wonderful. And the princess they were looking for was like Princess um, uh, Cotton Candy or Candy Floss or something like that, which is also amazing. And and I had like cinnamon hearts. They were all fantastic. Anyway, and I wish that I could remember Colin, who played the Cinnamon Cinnamon Hearts, had the best power name ever that he just, like, he just, he had it prepared, and he was just waiting for the right moment to use it, and he said it, and it was like, Cinnamon Heart something combustion, and it was so great, and I was so impressed. Anyway, (laughs) um... Yeah, they had to defeat the Salted Earth Trio. They went to a new candy shop in town. And there it turned go. out that the Salted Earth Trio was run by the Black Licorice Girl's mom. So there, there was like nice. some good yes. teen angst in there about, I'm not going to do what you say, mom. You know, yeah, like that. So while you were running Love and Justice, across the room, I was running <laughs> Rocker Boys and Vending Machines. Yeah, you were. And this, and I will note, because I had, again, because I, I had all awesome players all weekend long, but I'm going to single out one player for Saturday, and that is Schmitty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Schmitty uh, achieved something that's never been done before, which is the full Vexperience. Right. Um, Schmitty played in all three of the games that I ran on Saturday. Like, literally, Schmitty and I spent the whole day together. We even ate dinner together. So, um, Schmitty, hats off to you. We're still working on your merit badge, but we'll you earned there. the Vexperience. <laughs> okay, so we played Rocker Boys and Vending Machines. My scenario that I rolled up was that the team had to extract a pop star from the hottest club in the city, and there was a rival team that was also trying to extract the star. So it was um, a little bit of the um, the evil party syndrome. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and it was really good. Like, we had a lot of laughs with it. It was a lot of fun. Okay. Then on Saturday evening, what did you what did you run? I So didn't you also run Turning Point on Saturday? Do you want to talk about that first? Because I only ran oh, two games I on did. Saturday. I did. You're right. I'm sorry. I did. Three. So... Yeah. Right. So after Rocker Boys and Vending Machines, I ran I ran a, another round of Turning Point. Uh, we did the dream job. And the dream job is uh, when you're ready to give up your soulless, well-paying job for your your true life passion and sacrifice your, you know, financial stability and all that. And that was interesting. I'm going to talk about it when we talk about Lessons Learned. It was still a good game, but it was insightful to me. Um, some things about Turning Point as a designer, Turning Point as a facilitator. And just a couple things about playing games with emotions on the table. So it was it was good, uh, and it was fine. It ran fine, but I was super thankful. Schmitty was there. Uh, Schmitty has played Turning Point a couple other times, so knew what to do. Uh, and then there was another player who really stepped up and brought some game. We'll talk about it when we get into our lessons learned. Okay. So then we all went out to dinner, which was delicious. And then what did you yeah. what did you play in the evening? So then I came back and I ran Heroin, which is the game that I was taunting Schmitty for not being able to play because he hadn't seen the Labyrinth. I think that's fixed, right? That's yeah. all taken yeah, care yeah, of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schmitty went home it. and immediately watched yeah. the Labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But so, heroin, if you haven't listened to the episode on She's a Super Geek, which you should, because there's these oh, guys yeah, that's on a good there. good one. There's yeah. these guys on there from this network you might know about. Oh, my God. That was so was long ago. so long ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. Do the thing, though. Do you remember your line? It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. Anyway, you should go listen to that episode. So basically, uh, Heroin is a is a story that, it's a game, I should say, that specifically mimics girl coming of age stories in the vein of the Labyrinth or the Wizard of Oz or Alice in Wonderland, right? My favorite way to run it is like the Labyrinth. And so it's where you go into a magical world and then, you know, you, you learn lessons about real life in the magical world and then you come bring the heroin back to the real world, right? So it's all about spending drama points back and forth between the narrator and the companion characters and then like the heroine making decisions and trying to solve things both heroically and successfully. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in our little adventure, our heroine ended up being a little bit heroic, but she also accidentally melted the entire Marshmallow Cloud City. Like she kind it's of a, brought it all did down. She, did she get welcomed back? Um, like, it seems like no. That part, that part was the part that was not particularly heroic. She was successful for herself. She just kind of destroyed that whole area in the Jinkies. process. So we went with she was somewhat heroic, but she, um, you know, she learned from that experience and and from being able to heroically like share her heart and emotions. With the evil queen and her um, patriarchos, she learned about basically making friends and having empathy for people. So she went back to the school where the girls were making fun of her and she, like, made friends with them. So it worked out. It was good. It, it was it was a fun it was a fun game. We did a good job. And I had uh, I have to call out one player in that game because I had John Arcadia on my table. And there was oh, a, he's he's a delightful he player, phenomenal, and I don't think he's ever sat at my table before. And I was a little bit phased out by that time of night, but he was doing all of my sound effects for me live, and it was absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've had John as a player in a game. I think maybe I have. I have certainly played... Oh, no, I definitely have. I've run some Dungeon World where John was in it, which was very entertaining. And I've also been a player in several John Arcadian games. He is he is delightful on both sides of the screen. Yeah, like, he, was fe- John, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. John is able to bring it uh, as a player and as a GM. He is uh, like a true treat. Like So if you ever get a chance and John Arcadian's at your table running or playing, like you are in for some fun. Yeah. It was great. Yep. He was making all the bear sounds for me. Yeah, he's excellent. <laughs> um, so while you were running heroin, I ran my second session of Coming Up Short mm-hmm. uh, for Hydro Hackers, which was interesting. I'm going to talk about that in the GMing section because uh, it was a little different than how I normally run Hydro Hackers. But nevertheless, it actually was pretty satisfying. And Schmitty wound up as um, <laughs> team mom. Yep. Having to keep all the hoodlums in line. Oh, Mom Schmitty. I'm noticing, looking at our list here, you actually forgot another game that you ran, because you ran a game on Sunday, too. I did. You're right. Yeah. I'm telling um, you, you ran all the games. I'll just add it to the list right now, because on Sunday, you did not run any games, because no. it was the last day of the con. Yeah. And I have a thing about, I do not like to sit around when, like, as a con ends, right? Because it just makes me sad. So I always like to run a game right up to the end of the con. I do it at Gen Con. I've like I, I just as much as I can, I will always try to schedule a game right at the end of a con. Sometimes at like bigger cons, like Origins and stuff, I've done off book games, like leading up to the end of a con. I just like it. Anyway, I ran something I've been designing called Long Live the Queen, which is a um, fate accelerated game about 17th century female courtly spies who are actively working to thwart a time-traveling corporation who is bent on stripping all the resources from Europe and the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So I ran uh, Long Live the Queen, which you actually played in, because I, um, I rigged the game to only have four seats sure so did. that you could play the fifth player. <laughs> you actually made the pregens. I did! Me. And they were fantastic, by oh, the way. I re- I'm really I, glad that you so, liked them. <laughs> they're so good, I almost want to give them to my Thursday group, who's going to start playing Long Live Oh, Queen. yeah. 
but I'm going to let them make their own characters. But I think I'm going to put them on the table and be like, this is what you're trying to make. Right. Like, well, I mean, there's one in there that I was like, I'm stuck for a thing. Uh, let's see. Well, I'm just going to ask Ryan. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, like masterful. Like, I know, like, but you just had, going like, to the source here for aspect creation. Well, that's true. When you get to get, <laughs> when you get to tap Ryan Macklin, right. or I guess if we're using the proper term from fate, would invoke Ryan Mac- right. Macklin. Right, I got to invoke Ryan Macklin when I ran out of creative energy for aspects on that one. So I know, but you had ones like the patient spider. I mean, my God, that character, like <laughs> that, like that aspect alone was like, holy shit! I could play this character in a minute. Right. Um, they were so good. They were so good, and they were. Thank you. Um, the aspects were so like you and I teamed up on the aspects because yeah, you yeah. wrote the you aspects. Had to clean them up a little, and then I like came in and like tightened up the words to just make them smaller. Yeah. But that combination, like everybody who sat down and played, had a really good idea of what the pre-gen was like. Yeah. Right. Like it was, mu- I felt like there were multiple ways that you could play every single one of those. Totally. And everybody played them differently than I had thought, but really interestingly. Yeah, I I was super happy with them. We'll talk about them in just a second. But anyway, yeah. I ran Long Live the Queen. Uh, Long Live the Queen. Um, it, it is a spy game set in 17th century France among this backdrop of this time-traveling corporation that has injected a whole bunch of technology and have kind of changed the whole timeline by their presence. It's a little quirky, I think, as a setting, <laughs> but I think it came... I think the setting came out actually super cool. Like, yeah, yeah. It was very much like French ball gowns and cell phones. And yes. I mean, I do like the idea, and I think I described this to you during the game, right? Like, it, to get a feel for it, you guys were at the King's... You were at the King's Ball at the Tuileries Palace in France, and they're, they're all dressed like the king and, like, and like most of the court's still in their 17th century clothes, but they're, like, holding up their phones and taking selfies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know? It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good. Let's talk about some lessons we learned. Um, Senda, tell me what you learned about Turning Point. Yeah. Well, if you were at QCC, then you know this lesson, which is a lesson I think Phil and I both learned, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that we learned about Turning Point is that Turning Point is not a two-hour game. Turning Point is a three-hour game. (laughs) Turning Point is a three- to four-hour game. Yeah. I mean, I think three hours is probably reasonably safe. You might be able to just do it in four hours. I, I think what you get in a three... All right, so here's what it's not, right? It's not a two-hour game. Couple, <laughs> we've run it a couple times in two hours, and we were like, oh, yeah, the game totally runs in two hours. Uh-uh. It's great. Uh-uh. Um, but we also added some things to character creation. We added a built-in safety mechanism and a few other things that we had to start explaining as we set up the game. Yep. And that has extended character creation to be about an hour long. Yeah. Um, which is fine because you need you need a decent character creation to have the right level of investment in the character to really dig in emotionally. And I would also say that that is also partially a con game thing because I think about half of that time is here's how this game works, right? Absolutely. If you're sitting down with a bunch of people who've played it before, then actually making the character probably doesn't take you that long. Yeah, there's a thing that we have not done yet in playtesting, which is what happens when you play Turning Point with people who already know how to play. Yeah, right? I mean, I'm I'm fascinated. That's a thing that we've actually never done that's, yet. <laughs> that's actually, I mean, that's the thing we're building up towards, right? Yeah, like, yeah. we had to make sure the actual game worked first, but now the next section is like, well, what happens when you play it a couple times? Like, what, like, are, like, what do people catch on to? Yeah, what happens when you play it a couple times and you're not you and me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So, what, um, so yeah, we, so the thing was, we scheduled it. Yeah, we scheduled it as a for two, two hour, hour slot. Yeah. Um, and you and I rough. both. Yeah. It, I had to rush through. Yep. Um, I only finished three scenes out of five. I noticed that when I was analyzing your. Um, yeah, because your I just sheet. I just called it. I was like, you know what? There's no way we're getting two more scenes in. We got 15 minutes left. I want to at least be able to wrap us up into something. I actually so. cranked out all five scenes. Yeah, you you were driving them hard. I was not. Yes. I was letting them breathe, and then I was like, "Holy crap! What I, happened to my time?" What I normally do when when it's a situation like that is I let the first scene or so kind of go organically. Like I don't push it too hard. 
But once they have the feel for what the scenes are supposed to do, then I kind of lean into them and I'm like, come on, let's move it. Like, let's get cracking. Like, I know, you but guys so, get these scenes. So you, the thing is that the scenes that were happening at my table were amazing. Yeah, which is fine, right? So, like, you made the right call. Like, yeah. just, just do three of them. Yeah. Like, I was like, you know what? We're just going to call it after this one. Because I yeah. think, actually, I had half an hour left, and I was like, let's just do one more scene. And we ended up with, like, ten minutes at the end to just, hey, like, I, I, but it was real good. I think you made the right call. And I think what we've learned is that uh, we're going to reformat the game to a 3-4-hour game. Yeah. And the reason I say 3-4 is because I want to leave – so. If I'm running it as a con game, I want an hour for setup. Yep. Take a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Come back. Then I want to. Right. Then I want to come back and I want to do probably three scenes. Take a break. Two scenes. The decision. Yep. And then the and, and then the, the aftercare. The the the, the cool down. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, it's actually called aftercare yeah. and have the aftercare um for it and I think that is like a nice four hour game. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. Yep. Anyway, and then and then you don't have to push those scenes. Yeah, because I don't like pushing those scenes. Yeah, I don't like to either. I know how to do it, and I don't like to. I don't to. like okay. it. Okay. Anyway, so, so so what are your turning point takeaways? Lesson learned. Okay. <laughs> My turning point tips I learned from the second game I played, which we played the low-intensity one, which is Dream Job. There are some things you have to do as a facilitator to ratchet up. So I, I realized that when we say low-intensity, low, in, low intensity, what we... like. I think what we're saying incorrectly is we're like, don't take this chill. It's that the bleed of the game is very low. Right. So the emotional bleed isn't so high, but turning point works best when the scenes are more charged. Yeah, the stakes for the scenes themselves need to stay high. Right. And and so that didn't happen in my first two scenes in my second game, the one that um, Schmitty was in. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't until the third scene when Schmitty... And a local player, uh, his name is Ruben. Ruben was like keyed in, like Ruben knew what to do. And Schmitty was playing the NPC and they like, they got into this fantastic scene. And then everybody else saw that and was like, oh, oh that's what we're supposed to be. Yeah. Doing. And so my last two scenes, like my, my scene three, four and five were like much, were much better because the, it, because that scene was so good. So uh, I just realized like from a designer's point of view, like, there's some things we need to put in as a facilitator of like how to stir up trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How to because, push because, people. Yeah, because because there's that section where you get to be the psyche and ask questions. Yeah. So as a facilitator, like you got to stir up trouble when you ask those questions. Yeah. Right. Like that's that that was the thing I um, learned. And then the other part was that I think we really do need to explain to players like each scene um, needs to be charged. Needs to have emotionally charged stakes. It yeah, needs to have that clear and important stakes. And not just stakes, because you can have stakes and still be chill. Right. But these are the like five most important moments in this person's decision. Right. These need to be impactful. They're like going you, to like, have emotional. You charge. didn't just go to you didn't just go to coffee with your friend and decide like you know the I, the concept of acceptance or rejection. Like right. You went to coffee with your friend and like had like like either a blowout about rejection or some sort of life affirming moment about acceptance. Right. So you like came out to them or something. Right. Like yes. something major happened. How- yeah, and if you don't do that, it's not that the game won't work, but I think it it just it like it plays more chill, and that's not, not exactly really design wise what yeah. I was like what I think we were going for. So no. just there's a ratchet thing. There's a ratchet. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, so love and justice for me the the thing that I consistently struggle with with love and justice at this point because I have run this game so many times. Yeah, and, you have. And Schmitty has has played it multiple times with me, and he's even commented that like it was kind of similar. I'm like, yep. I'm like, I mean, it is a three page game. It's a three page game, and like the fact of the matter is that a lot of times, sometimes I just default to my favorite selections on the list, right? Because they're like the easiest for me to run. But like I've run everything, right? And so the the challenge with that game for me is always to keep it fresh, even though. I have run that game. I mean, I don't even know how many times I've run that game. I I might be almost fulfilling the Rich Rogers like Lady Blackbird challenge here. Like, 
it's getting it's I, getting it, up I don't think you're that close to Rich Rogers Lady <laughs> Lady Blackbird challenge. Rich has actually documented that he's run Lady Blackbird a hundred times. Like right, I I mean I've probably run Love and Justice. I may have run it like fifty times at this point. It, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. You've like it, 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 I will say it is. It's you're like a pop star with a like a hit. Yeah, like everybody I have a, wants I have to hear a hit, hit single. Right. I have a hit single. Nobody wants to hear anything else. Um, that's not actually true. But that's uh, not actually true. They but they they but still they want to hear the, the hit, hit single. Too. Yeah. Um, and so that is the thing. Love and justice. Um, that's my challenge always, and I'm always delighted when when people sit down and take things in new directions because it's exciting or when people make decisions at the table that surprise me because it is exciting when it's not the same like that the bad guy was her mom kind of thing yeah that was great and and i mean there's a certain amount of like it takes less energy to run it for people who are super familiar with the genre because they will fall right into it because it it's there it's there for you if you know it right um instead of having to kind of explain it um and I mean, even after running it all of these times, I live for the transformation sequences, right? The transformation sequence is I, pretty amazing. I live for the transformation sequences. I just that wasn't do. even that wasn't even originally written into the I rules. Know. It came out during playtesting, and then I think that was Meg Dornbrock who it was a combination of Meg brought it up the first time, yeah, at Dreamation, yeah, and then uh, then Kickass Emily like went over the top during the play test at origins like it was amazing her and hers was not only so good she made hers into a group transformation because she oh. like started hers and then like kicked it to somebody yeah. else at the table no, and I've made been, them do part of theirs it's, like, it's so it's so tropey for the genre too like it's the it's the stock footage and they just cut it back and forth if they're all yeah. transforming but it was so it was good amazing. like it i've was, stolen it was that so good. I, I do that now intentionally right it's like totally baked in yeah it's awesome yeah anyway Anyway, so that's love and justice for me. But tell me about Rocker Boys and vending machines. Yeah, so Rocker Boys and vending machines. The thing I my takeaway from it because it was like the thing that occurred to me while I was playing it is uh, when you're doing a lot of improv jamming, you will know when you have hit on a good bit. Yeah, and like that you shouldn't move off of it. Like you should like let it stay. And so I did this thing where one of the players failed their role. So they, you know, the scene gets complicated and I had their like estranged ex-girlfriend, the girl, the ex-girlfriend they ran away from shit. Like she was the right, she was on the rival uh, team of runners and she confronts him in this dressing room in the back of this club. And like, I, you know, and I was doing that thing where it's passing the spotlight. So like I did the thing where like she comes out of the bathroom as he's like ransacking the room and she's like, oh, you're here. Right. Like, and I, you know, I did it like where she was angry, right? Like, oh, you're here. And then I moved the spotlight off of them yeah. and like went to somebody else. So I swung the swap spotlight back around and we got into the scene. And so my first instinct was to do like angry girlfriend. But then I was like, nope, you know, it's funnier. The funnier part is if she just takes him back right now. Right. And then like the player leaned right into it. It was great. Like this player, I like just leaned right into, into this moment and I realized, I was like, oh, I'm going to stay on this. Like, I'm going to move the spotlight again, and then I'm coming right back to the scene. And that player actually stayed, like, probably three quarters of the game in engaged with the ex-girlfriend, which he was using as a diversion because she was the drone pilot. So he, like, he kept talking to her so that she wouldn't pay attention to the drones. Right. Um, so the other team didn't have, like, you know, overwatch. Right. Which was really good. But it was just one of those moments where, like, as a GM, I was like, oh, this, this right bit's here. funny. This one. This bit's funny. Everybody at the table's into it. And I'm just going to lean into it and play this even harder. Yeah. And it's just a thing that, like, as if, if, you're, if you have not done a lot of um, improv gaming or if you're starting to, you'll recognize it. Like, you'll recognize that, like, oh, I have a good bit. And my, G, like, my lesson learned part of that is, like, when you have a good bit, don't move off of it. Yeah. Keep You'll it. know when it's time to move off of it. Stay in it and keep it going. And and uh, for that, I got like a lot of like that player had a super awesome time. And so did everyone else because I did other things, too. But that player, like I had them covered. Yeah. You didn't like, have to it, think of more stuff. Right. I didn't have to think of more stuff like their stuff was going on 
like I was like, oh, you're good because we're just going to keep coming back to the scene over and over and over. And ultimately, he ran out on her again. It was hilarious. So it was good. All right. So that was my tip for that. What's your tip for what was your lesson learned from uh, heroin? Yeah. So by the time I ran heroin, I was um, pretty much I was just like jet lagged as all get out and kind of like phased out, like I said. Because it had been very little sleep and a lot of anxiety and all sorts of things. So um, by the time I ran heroin, I was kind of like, oh, God, I'm running a four-hour game. I don't really do four-hour games anymore. What the hell? Um, and uh, John sitting down at my table, like, fed me the life energy that I needed to make that game happen. So... It was, I don't know if it's a lesson that I learned for the first time. It was a, a, a major reminder for me of how much of a difference it can make when a player sits down at your table and immediately gets really involved, which is something that we talk about on this show a lot, like take the hook, take the bait, like all of those things, like jump in, react. And that's John. Um, he does that a lot. <laughs> Yep. And when they started getting chased by the bear, he started doing the bear noises. And then I just started looking at him whenever I needed a bear noise, which was amazing. Yeah, there was a bear again because I'm not creative. I wasn't creative. No, it's that fine, day. but that's great. Um, and and it was it was great fun. I got to mess with the characters and stuff a lot, but it really, you know, I was I was really able to draw a lot of energy from John. So it really was that reminder to me for playing in games about how much I can give the GM to really help the game kick along, right? Absolutely. Investment. So tell me H2O and Long Live the Queen quickly here, because we're going... Yeah, we're starting to get a little long, so I'll I'll give you my couple tips. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. So for Hydra Hackers, so I had an opportunity as a designer to see the game run not quite the way that I planned on the game being run. Yeah. Uh, So my second table, the table that Schmitty was in, a couple of the players had decided to be a little more mercenary than altruistic. Yeah. Which is really not the point of Hydro Hackers. Yeah. Hydro Hacker characters are altruistic. They're doing it for their neighborhood or whatever. And I could have just put a kibosh on it. Like, I could have just been like, nope, try again. But it was Saturday. I've run this game a million times. And I'm like, let me see. I'm like, I'm interested in the off-label gaming aspect of this. Like, what happens when you're doing it for the money? Right. And um, it took a little extra work to steer the game. Actually, it took a little extra work to get the hook correct. Yeah, yeah. To get to get it going. Um, and I didn't have to work too hard because the rest of the table was actually more altruistic. Like, Schmitty's character was very altruistic um, and was like, that's why Schmitty wound up as, like, you know, the um, team mom. Team mom. Yeah. yeah. Like, she had to, like, keep everyone in line. But anyway, it was interesting. I Like, it was just out of curiosity, interesting to see what it would be like. Um, and it kind of uh, affirmed that the theme of being altruistic was really something I wanted um, in the game. Like, I think it just plays better uh, that way. Uh, the other thing that I did was um, that adventure is a mystery. So it's a hydro crime that, that the um, hackers investigate. And I did a big clue map. Like, I did a big... Um, like a clue web um, using um, like a uh, mind mapping software to, to do it. Uh, and that thing was invaluable for ad-libbing the adventure. Like I just had the clue map and I had some extra notes on the side, but I didn't really need them. I had the clue map and I basically just knew like, if you find this place, then it connects to these clues. And if you find this person, it connects to these clues, which connect to these clues, which connect to, you know, like, and then like, this is the whole mystery. And uh, what that allowed me to do was I ran two sessions of this. They were very different games. They ultimately both solved the hydro crime, but they solved them in very different ways because they traversed the web differently. Right. In different directions. Was, in different directions. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I really like it. I've done tons of mysteries in the past. I really like clue maps for the as a gm prep and maybe we'll do a thing about him or i'll do him on misdirected mark or something uh totally dig him all right my long live the queen lesson learned was you know when we do pbta games you make characters from scratch right like pick up a playbook and get started and in other games i don't normally do that right like i do full pre-gens 
But with Long Live the Queen, I actually took the middle ground, which was I did partial pregens. I asked you to make pregens, but all I asked you to do was come up with the approaches, the approaches, the aspects, and the stunts. Uh, which, if you're thinking for a fake character, that's pretty much the whole character. But what I didn't have you do was I didn't have you do history, description, um, Name. names, or like you know any background stuff. Yep. And what was really good was like I put the character sheets out, and again, this is a game that's not established, right? Like no one knows about this game. Like this is literally the thing I've been cooking for the last couple of weeks in you know in my backyard. Um, <laughs> so having the having the pregens partially done and having the aspects done meant that I was able to set the tone of the characters. Yeah. Right, because I had characters like. Like and you, you know, you did a wonderful job with these. Like the most eligible uh, bachelorette in the court. That was fun, right? Like that tells you something about the game. The uh, the patient spider, the courier, right? The the pathfinding courier, all of those. So uh, having those set, one cut down dramatically on getting the game prepped and like ready for us to play because everybody took a character and I had to explain very like they had to do very little to get the character ready to play. Right, but enough um, that we still invested in the characters we were playing because we still got to customize how we thought that they would play. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was a great, and I've never done that before. I've done both extremes, right? I've done I've done cases where I've run fake games where I've just had like the whole characters with like, with a, like a half page background on the back of it. Like, you know, read this thing. This is your character. This is who you're friends with. Like, this is your lover, whatever. And your character set is all done. And then I've done PBTA where it's like, pick a playbook off the table. We're going to make your characters right now. But I really liked the partial pre-gen. Like, it's like like the half-baked pizza, right? Like, it's all set. I just need you to, like, I need you to warm it up and breathe some life into it. Yeah. And for that, it worked wonderfully. Uh, no one was familiar with the setting. Two out of the five people in the game hadn't played Fate before, mm-hmm. and none of that was a problem. So, cool. That was my lesson. And yes, the fact that you're tapping at your empty wrist and the fact that I'm watching it saying one hour of audio means we must get moving. Please. And with that, Senda, before we um, get to the closing, tell me about another show on the Mr. Mark Network. Sure. On the lounge, Doc finds the best, the brightest, the most fun game designers and sits down to have a cool chat with them. You never know what conversation is going to come up on the lounge. Say, Senda, where can you reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community. Or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Please, please, please send us your topics. Uh, we love to do the topics that you love to hear about. Uh, and the only way we can do that is you need to tell us. So uh, <laughs> take that social media, send us some topics. We put them in a list. It's whatever strikes my fancy when I go to write the show. In the past, we would you know, tell you to kind of pick them out based on the different formats of the show. But don't worry about it. Just throw a topic in. I'm super creative. I'll figure out how to make a show out of it. <laughs> if it's interesting, I guarantee you we're going to we'll do a show about, about it. it. Yep. Yep, yep. So very, very good. Do that. What else can people do with our social media, especially if they're at a gaming convention? Well, you should take a picture of you at that convention or at your home group table running that cool game. Hashtag it table selfie and post it on the social media of your choice. Twitter is the easiest for me to find it on and like it, but I'll try to find it wherever you post it. Let me know. We love to see what you guys are playing. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Mr. to Mark Network, please check out our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get all sorts of goodies. For instance, the top tier patrons all got a copy of Hydro Hackers a week before it came out. That happened. Right. What else? Uh, you get a- you get access to uh, the bonus outtakes from this show, the after show from Misdirected Mark, uh, various little things that we put together and give out to the community, uh, as well as access to the Slack room. We also like to give a shout out to all of our patrons. And tonight, I'm just going to run through three of our awesome patrons. They're all awesome. But tonight, I picked these three. John C. <laughs> LeMay, the guard at the end of the world. Thank you Thanks, for your John. patronage. JJ Lanza, good friend of mine, actually. Thank you. Thanks, and JJ. And David Walker. Thanks, Thank David. Thank you again for your support. Senda, what's the other thing you can do that makes me smile a lot and fall out of my chair like a panda? Yeah, don't fall um, out of your chair. If you're not 
if you're not back in the Patreon or unable to back the Patreon, both don't, of which are fine. Don't fall out of your chair, though. So Fair. you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice if it has the, the ability to do ratings and reviews. Every new review actually really does help new people find the show. And apparently you need to let us know if it's international because we won't find it. We won't see it. So let us know if you're not in the U.S. and you leave a review so that I can go see it and get super duper giddy. Say, Senda, show me how you're going to get ready for our next convention, Metatopia. Metatopia. Show me what you got, 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 show me what you This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got, show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got, show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got, show me what you got, Bloop. Let's jam. Three, two, one, let's jam. Wait, how did you just make that clanking sound? Oh, it, it bumped the MacBook. Okay, I was like, uh, but, uh, but, but, but. But listen to the silence as Phil drinks his coffee. Do you hear that beautiful silence? The sound of silence. The sound of silicone straws. Mm. Got me some silicone straws today. <laughs> Aw, can drink my iced coffee on the show in peace. Um, Although it was really funny that you picked up your mug and immediately made a clanking sound. That's yeah, I was I like, where did just, that clank come from? Just got to be aware of where it is. But now I've got it right up to the microphone. Ready? Watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hear the silence? Ah, delicious. <laughs> Bloop. So here's the thing, right? I got the silicone straws. Um yep. And I got like a shit ton of them too, right? Like I got them on, like, I, I probably needed like a silicone straw, but like, it's Amazon, so I got like like sixteen of them. Um, Good heavens, that is not a small quantity. Of no, it's like straws. I mean, it's like a fistful of these silicone straws. <laughs> but the other thing is, they're like they're like wide bore, so like the metal straw that came with this is like really narrow. Yeah. So like you're just like you know you're like sipping it finely through the straw. This thing's like a right. McDonald's straw, so it's right. like a or fire like a, hose. You're just like a milkshake <laughs> straw, like. <laughs> If it was just a little bigger, it would be like if if it's so if it's made for smoothies. But if it was a little right. bigger, it would be like bubble tea size, right? But, right, 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 right. But right. it, but yeah. so at the same time, I'm like kind of like getting used to not like you know um, drooling all over myself with it. Like I just like <laughs> sip enough coffee and not like all not like, of the coffee. Blah, 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 blah. So does the magic mug still last all night? Even oh hell yeah, it's freezing. It's freezing straw. No, no, I mean, in terms of liquid, you were saying it was like the magic mug of holding. Oh, I don't know now. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. I, this is you the went, first time did... I've used it, so. Wow. I know, we're going to find out, like, if do I hit the bottom of this thing, or, like, you know, does it wind up, you know, right. going, going, going? Was it, was it the mug that was magical, or was it the straw of endless coffee production? I mean, if I have a straw of endless coffee production, it may, I mean, I could probably fit the straw in here. Like, <laughs> Bloop. All right, I got something else to show you. Like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't help anyone else on the. No, it really doesn't help anyone else. But, but but this is my. uh, Oh, cool! Is my new notebook? Hang on. Oh my god, it smells so good. Like it smell, it's it smells like leather because it is leather, and it just Uh oh, oh, it's it's yeah. He keeps putting it up to his nose. Yeah, it's um for the for you for those of you playing along at home. The pencil of that's the pencil of sadness, right? Like (laughs) this is the. (laughs) <laughs> this is the pencil because when you get sad, you go out and buy a seventy dollar German pencil. German pencil. Yeah. But I love yeah. this pencil, even though I bought it out of complete sadness. Bloop. So yep. anyway, it, I suddenly went, "Where are those?" and started looking around. Yeah, don't don't fall into the rabbit hole. I'm already in the hole. Okay, okay don't okay. dig us deeper. Just you make sure I don't like make sure I can get back out. Bloop. All right. Anyway, all right. I'm gonna wrap this thing up. I'm done touching. Sure it. you are. Sure you are. Uh, I mean, you can just keep holding it. It's fine. I could hold it through the whole episode. You can just pet it. <laughs> Just hold it in your hand. Put it in your lap. Okay, well. Like an evil villain and just pet it in your swivel chair because I know you're sitting yes. in an office swivel chair. Hang on. So just sit in your swivel chair. Put the notebook in your lap. There you go. Just pet it. <laughs> Bloop. What am I going to do with this audio? You can't even. <laughs> you started it. I know Fix I started it. it. What do you delete, think? Delete, delete, <laughs> delete, delete, delete. 
bloop. It doesn't work if it doesn't work if you meow and then start laughing. It, <laughs> under, know, it undermines the pause in the audio. <laughs> but you did this meow. Was I making a face? Yes. Oh, I see. <laughs> you act so innocent about it. Bloop. Meow. Meow. Bloop. Boom. Boom. Uh, yeah, we just do it once. Good job. Bloop. My turn. Right. It's in red. It's your turn. I know. I wasn't looking at Ready? the script. I'm I'll sorry. do it again. No, no, I'm going to no. make the circle sign with my finger and point at you. And that's for your that's your cue to start speaking the red words. Okay. Ready? Yes. Good. Nobody can see that except me. Okay. See, no, that's, no, that's, the, magic. that's the magic of radio. Okay. Ready? Stop. Pause. Collect yourself. Meow. Bloop. It, it wasn't a bunch. It's a well, handful. Was, it was a handful of people. It was there was a Like Aloy was Schmitty. in the front row. Schmitty was in the front row. Eric, Simon, Eric, Simon, can and some other people. <laughs> Damn it! Bloop. Some other people who didn't ask us questions as much, so I don't uh, remember. Yeah. Bloop. There were people in the back row too. There weren't a ton of people. Yeah, there were. It like was very five intimate. Five or six people. Yeah, it's intimate. It was like I'm, it was really gonna, nice. I'm going to cut all of this. <laughs> Shove this to the back. Yeah. Okay. Just keep going. Bloop. May I pause for a second? Yeah. Holy shit. When you edit this, can you send me back that blurb? That is the best elevator <laughs> pitch I have ever done for the game. <laughs> that is even better than the one I did like like a week or two ago that I wrote down. Like, that is, that is fucking money. All right. <laughs> Just listen to the episode when it comes out. Yeah, I can. Yeah, but just send it to me because I'm going to need to replay it like six times to write all those words down. Right, just, right, 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 right. Oh, geez, that's really good. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Resume. Bloop. Ball like, gowns. Oh, that's the genre. Ball, ball gowns, gowns and, and cell phones. phones. Nailed right, it. You just got to say, you like literally got to send me all this stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to remember this in the morning. <laughs> Hyped up on coffee and we're like on a roll. Wow. Here. Okay. Bloop. That's it. Yeah. Did you want more? Okay. I'm trying to wrap up the show here. It's we're an I, I know, hour and it just, four it minutes. Felt like, I know. It felt like you weren't done. Okay. I got it. I got it. Shh. Bloop. Show me what you yeah, got. Yeah, yeah. Show me what you got. Show, Show me, me what, what you got. got. Uh, okay. Uh. So we should stop. Okay. So we really should stop. But really quick, I just have to give a quick <laughs> shout out so it goes in the notes. Because I, I made a vague reference of it before about the, Qs, yeah, the Queen City yeah, Conquest. Really uh, quick shout out to uh, Justin, um, who we met at the QCC. Uh, but was actually at another conference right. um, in the hotel <laughs> at the parliamentarian conference. Oh my gosh! And you and I were making a joke that morning um, on our way to breakfast how much about more fun we were having. <laughs> yeah, and as it turned out, one of our listeners who did not put together that Queen, that cute, that the Queen City Conquest and Buffalo, right, uh, were the same thing yep. until he bumped into somebody in the elevator with a Queen City Conquest badge, right, um, and then came and found us. He then came over, and Effie was great. She brought him over, um, and I uh, luckily had ec- an extra copy of Hydro Hackers. So even though he didn't actually get to play in the game convention and had to go to a work convention the whole time, mm-hmm. at least he went home with a copy of Hydro Hackers. Right. So shout out to Justin. Consolation um, It was really super cool. Um, it was really super cool meeting you, and um, I- I'm glad we had a chance. And uh, yeah, next time, um, you know, skip the work one and just... Just come to Buffalo, like, to play, like, come to Buffalo for a Queen City Conquest. Bloop! Please, 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 please. Do you want to stop? Please, we have to stop recording, please. Okay, say your safe word. <laughs> What's my safe word? Bye. Right, bye. <laughs> <laughs>